This is the Front Page Podcast from the Red and Black. I am your host and podcast editor, Jim Bass. And I am your co-host and assistant podcast editor, Maya Gottschall. Support for this podcast is provided by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership. For more information, visit grady.uga.edu slash coxinstitute. The UGA Student-Led Group Period Project is an organization striving to end period poverty and period stigma across the U.S., focusing on our neighborhood here in Athens, Georgia. Working alongside homeless shelters and community centers, Period Project at the University of Georgia provides menstrual products and important health education to those in need. The organization aims to elevate and fulfill the basic human requirements for those who menstruate, something that has proven time and time again to be a very important necessity for Athens and UGA. Maya sat down with co-presidents Ariba Hashmi and Rachel Johnson to discuss the student-led organization further, get more information on the issues the project is focused on, and what the organization is striving to achieve. All right. Welcome to the show, Ariba and Rachel. Thanks for coming in today. Let's go ahead and get started. So you both are co-presidents of, of the Period Project? Mm-hmm. Yep. And what exactly is period poverty, if you could explain it to our listeners? Um, So period poverty is the lack of access to menstrual products and a location that is safe for you to exchange those menstrual products. That often means like having access to bathrooms or like sanitary um, rooms. And so period poverty is not being able to access either of those. Right. And that is something you would say we see often on the campus, UGA campus or in the Athens community. I feel like period poverty is something that is prevalent throughout most of America and if not the world. But we have been working in the Athens community and specifically at UGA. And we have seen it here as well. Um, And we've seen how large it can get to be, like how immersive and how much of a negative impact it can have in UJ students' lives, but also people in the Athens community. And specifically, or more specifically, how do you see that affecting the Athens and UGA community? A lot of times, students that don't have access to menstrual products, they don't feel comfortable coming to class. And a lot of that has to do with the taboos around periods, but also like if you are having your, if you're menstruating and you don't have any access to being clean you're not going to feel inclined to go out in public Um, and that not having students come to class impacts their education and impacts the reason that they are here at UJ in the first place in terms of like the Athens community there are a lot of things that um, unhoused communities are lacking whether it be a place that is safe for them or whether it be clothing whether it be food but a lot oftentimes the thing that is overlooked is menstrual products because when we think of poverty or when we think of homelessness oftentimes the first thing we don't think like the we don't really think of menstrual products as like the first thing that they might need and you know that just it's not a bad thing but it is still a need that they have um, and it needs to be met when was period project started and what inspired the project to begin So Period Project, officially in our current era, has been around since um, 2020, but Period Project has existed before that at UGA and in Athens under different names. So originally, I don't know when it was founded, but we were originally known as FEM with the same mission and goal of providing menstrual products to the Athens community and advocating for menstrual equity at UGA and Athens. And then 
we changed and we joined a national organization called Period, um, the menstrual movement, and we disassociated from them in 2020 because of issues that arose with the founder um, taking credit for uh, work that black women had done with regards to menstrual equity. Oh, interesting. Um, And so we no longer wanted to be a part of them just because everything that had gone on with that. And so then we became Period Project at UGA. And so we've had different names, but all with the same goal of providing menstrual products to Athens and then now to UGA as well. What events have you held to promote the Period Project? Our general body meetings that we have basically every week, Mondays at 7 p.m. in Sanford Hall. And so that's where we cover a lot of topics with regards to different aspects of menstruation, whether it be um, the intersectionality of gender and menstruation, as well as like period poverty, talking about that a lot. And then also talking about like menstruation across the globe, talking about the history of menstruation, like Halloween, we did a presentation on like menstruation in media. And so looking at like in horror movies, but also just regularly when we watch our TV shows and movies, like how is menstruation addressed and like what issues or maybe like strides are being made and actually properly representing menstruation. And then we have our packing parties, which are once a month, and that's where we get together and we pack all our menstrual products that we then distribute across the community um, for that month. And then our big event that we have that is brand new is our art night, which is at the end of fall semester, and that's where artists from UGA and the Athens community, they bring their art that's like showing different aspects of menstruation and advocating for menstruation and it's just like a good way to come and see like really cool art yeah that's lovely um so about the packing parties i saw a lot of that um on info on your instagram page and just about your organization in general so i understand that it's for the athens community so you work alongside homeless shelters and community centers um can you tell me more about that yeah so we partner with a bunch of different community partners. So we have um, Sparrow's Nest, Live Forward, Salvation Army. We recently started partnering with the library on Baxter. And so just, and even schools, uh, middle schools and high schools in Athens. Um, So we have a bunch of different community partners that we will email at the start of the month saying like, hey, we're doing our packing party. Let us know like how many products you need. And so they'll fill out the form. They'll tell us Some will order like 50, some will order like 200, just whoever requests. And then we purchase all our products and then we pack them all up. And then we, our exec members will distribute the kits and drive them just based on like when they said we can deliver them and when we're available to like drop them off to them. And so then we'll drop them off and they will distribute them to their community, like to the people that they serve. That's amazing. What do you think are the biggest stigmas within the general population concerning periods? There are a lot of taboos when it comes to talking about reproductive health and specifically reproductive health with individuals that are assigned female at birth. So menstruation has always been a taboo topic, regardless of kind of your culture, I feel like. It has been like universally seen like something that either is unnatural or is something that should be shamed upon and we have progressed a lot from that idea but that still trickles down to a lot of people's perceptions and biases it's a very natural thing to happen to about like 50 percent of the population and yet 
it still makes people squeamish and it still makes people uncomfortable just to talk about it. There was a period in time where I remember being like, oh, I'm just having cramps. And that was still like uncomfortable to talk about, not as open. And I think we really have progressed, especially in our generation. We feel comfortable complaining about our cramps, which says a lot because I know in my parents' generation, my mom was taught to never even talk about it. Um, And it was like a sign of like being immodest if you did talk about it. Um, And so those taboos kind of trickle into what people's perception of what menstruation is and that when you have taboos around a certain subject it's hard to advocate for it more right it's hard to provide the needs and services for that topic because people don't want to talk about menstruation they're not going to think about wanting to get products for people who don't have access to it um and we have gotten a lot of hate comments in the past when we have publicized our work with people being like you are you celebrating that um you why are you like even talking about it on a public platform like we've gotten a lot of people I guess trolling is like the proper term for it um like where they've come into the group chat and have said some things or they have like when we table they've said some things to us and so there has been a lot of animosity that we've been met with it and I really just think it comes from a lack of like a lack of knowledge and just ignorance and not understanding like, hey, this is something that impacts the people in your life. And if you were to ask them about it, they would tell you that it's really not cool to just be kind of dumb about the subject and also just be rude about something that is so natural to them. So Yeah, that's why education is so important. Mm-hmm. So speaking along that lines, um, what are your greatest concerns relating to these stigmas? Like you said, like it leads to ignorance and you've gotten a lot of backlash. Yeah, I think... My biggest concerns are people's perceptions of the topic and people thinking it's like something that's shameful, preventing them to get involved with helping. And I also think a lot of times people who are um, like AMAB or like who are identify as cis male, they feel like they can't be in those spaces because they're like, well, I don't menstruate, so this does not pertain to me. Um, And not that that there's a taboo, but I do think that's a misconception. We have recently started getting a lot of people who don't menstruate come to our period project meetings. And one of the biggest things that we have, like, used in our meetings when talking about uh, people who do menstruate, we don't use the term, like, women that menstruate. We don't use the term, like, very, like, gender-specific terms. We just use the term menstruators and people who don't menstruate. Right. I saw that on your page. I Mm -hmm. thought that was a great... Yeah, and it it is, like, a strive, a very minimum strive to be gender-inclusive because um, most people don't even consider it, but it is true that not all women menstruate and not all menstruators are women, and that means that, like, in the menstrual advocacy sphere, almost anyone is welcome to put, like, to assist and to help and to get involved you really don't have to menstruate to care about someone who does um and i think sometimes that taboo and misconception makes people feel like they're uninvited or unwelcomed in spaces when it's really not that it's not that and we've had a lot of like more people getting involved who don't really menstruate and it's been really great because they've been giving their perspectives and sharing how they feel like they can make a change and they can make an impact um And we will only go forward and progress as people who don't care about an issue also start to care. Like, that's when societal change happens. What would you say, I know you just gave some solutions to resolving the period stigma, 
Um, do you have any more that you would like to talk about? And then also like some solutions you think yeah. to resolving the period poverty in general? The period poverty, like resolving that is a much bigger issue and a right. very systematic one. Um, but I think it is supporting local organizations that are doing that work, if not period project, but other community partners that we work with in community shelters, helping them, volunteering, donating products, letting your like people that you know that are a little bit more affluent, telling them to donate to these organizations. That's one way you can help uh, locally combat it. But another way is also like uh, register to vote. And also research who's running for your elections. There are a lot of political officials currently. Menstrual advocacy is a hot topic, I feel like, in politics currently. It's one of those topics that people don't really focus on because it's not in the bigger scale of things. You won't really hear, like, presidential candidates talking about it. But you will hear, like, local representatives talking about it. Because it's an issue that, like, pertains to very specifically small, like, the communities. It's a very community-based issue. And so researching your local representatives, whether it be county, whether it be state, figuring out whose policies align with your beliefs and also whose policies are promoting menstrual equity, whether it be at universities across Georgia or just like in the community. Recently, certain House of Representatives have pushed for a bill to pass requiring all USG affiliated schools to have menstrual products for all the students, just like they have toilet paper or napkins. Um, and I think this is the second time they've tried to push for this bill. The first time it did not go well um, because a lot of the people that were elected were people that just didn't align with those values um, and didn't believe that menstrual products should be accessible to everyone. But now it's happening again where they're motioning for this bill once again. And so we have a second chance. Um, so it's really important to stay involved politically and kind of be aware um, you don't realize it, but even local representatives have such a big influence on your day-to-day -day life. Because um, we often think of politics, we're like, oh, the president really is really the only thing I should go vote for. No, if I've learned anything, your local representatives can ruin your life just as much <laughs> the as the president can. So really be politically aware. What is the overall period project stance? I guess to summarize it into an overall stance would be complicated i guess essentially is that we just want progression we want everyone to have access to menstrual care reproductive care and we want them to have the choice to do whatever they want with their bodies with how they deal with reproductive choices how they deal with their menstrual health choices like giving them all the tools and items that they need to make these decisions i guess that's kind of like a big part of what we do and making sure that everyone doesn't have to worry about whether or not they have to buy food or buy a, a box of pads or tampons like that shouldn't have to be something that you have to come down to where it's like well I could either starve and not have to worry about my period or I could just be embarrassed and not completely like forego buying products and have a meal for a day um, and that's just a really very sad situation to be in and I think one of the biggest things that period project wants to do is eliminate that and also spread the word and let people know that this is a problem that affects real people and you might not realize it but it impacts people in your life um, it's not just people that are unhoused it's not just like um, people that you've never heard about but you've just heard stories about like 
my own mom came from an environment where she didn't fully have like access to menstrual products as readily as I do and it's a blessing for me to have it and so things really only improve for the community the more people are aware that the issues are there Um, and so that's a huge thing about period project is letting people know that there's a problem and that we are the solution for it not we as period project but we as a community are the solution for it what would you say that the period project stands on the pink taxes so pink tax is a luxury tax on typically items that are marketed towards women um and so it's kind of like you'll have two shade uh razors one of them's blue one of them's pink but the pink one will be more expensive there's that and then also there's like a four percent like tax on luxury items and menstrual products are considered luxury items um unfortunately they're not considered a necessity it's not a luxury for me to have a pad or a tampon i frankly it's a necessity but um some legislators believe it is a luxury item and so we're very against that idea because not only are pad boxes or tampon boxes very very expensive just as is but having that four percent tax on it like it does not it just makes it even harder for people to get access to it um so I, I guess, like, to answer your question, we're against it, and we are hoping that future legislators will be more against it as well and consider removing it. And a couple of states have done that. Uh, I know California, Louisiana, and um, I can't think of the other ones on my head, but it is a nationwide movement where people are removing the pink tax from menstrual products, which I think is a good thing. And I hope that that movement will spread to Georgia as well. Also, with, like, menstrual products, they're not, since they're, like, considered an, a luxury and not considered a necessity, people who need um, food stamps to buy food, menstrual products aren't on the list that they can use, like, that they can purchase with their food stamps. So then it's just, like, people who need this, it's, like, money that they have to spend on their own, and it's not covered by, like, these resources, and that's also something. I did not know that. Yeah, in Georgia, it's like that. Um, I don't know about, like, other states, but that's something. It's, like, it's a necessity. People need this. Like, periods, like, they're changed. Everybody has different periods. Their hormones are different. So, like, if you're under stress, you could, you know, have more periods. Your period could, like, be delayed. So then you don't know when you're going to have your period. If you have, like, other medical conditions, like, your periods could last a lot longer or you just, like, they're not as frequent so you can't really, like, predict when they're going to happen like you don't have a regular cycle so it can be difficult you know knowing when you're going to have to purchase products or not and then just like also having that where like it's not covered by like the state and you can't get assistance for it I think it's also pretty shitty like it's a necessity and that just kind of boils down to people not understanding I think how periods work and just how like if we had a choice I don't think a lot of people would want it because sometimes they're not great like Rachel said like stress levels can change when your period's coming and if you don't have a house if you're constantly worrying about whether or not I can get food worrying about how you're going to take your kids to someplace because you don't have a car you are going to be under so much stress that your cycle will likely not be something that you know when it will happen and so combine that unpredictability with like I don't know when to buy menstrual products and I also don't know when I'll have enough money to purchase menstrual products I also have to carry everything on me like I don't have a safe place to put where these products are going to be I don't have a safe place to like use the bathroom um like there's so many different factors that goes into someone 
like that we kind of overlook because we have privilege in the sense that we have access to a bathroom we have access to menstrual products but if we were to put ourselves in the shoes of people that don't that are unhoused you would understand why getting access to menstrual products is so so hard for them it's not that they could just spend some dollars and buy a box of tampons they might not even know when their period cycle is going to happen in the month because of their stress um and they also might not know when they'll have access to a bathroom because you can really only stay in like homeless centers for a certain amount of time before you're moved out and a new uh, group of people will have to come in they right. do like kind of like revolving rotations. yeah rotations kind of thing and so you might not know when you'll have always have access to a bathroom and if anyone's been in a public bathroom they know it's not the most comfortable place to be and i think everyone would prefer to be in their own bathroom rather than in a public bathroom when it comes to changing their pad or their tampon if you can put yourself in that shoe to, to like think and imagine how hard it could be for a person like that you really have to like break away from everything you've kind of been taught about how to treat your period and how to deal with it um there was a documentary that we showed to our general body members about how um in our education chair izzy did a really great job of researching and finding out that it is sometimes cheaper to just use cotton balls than pads because you can buy cotton balls in really big bulk amounts and so a lot of people that are like unhoused they'll use instead of pads they'll use cotton balls we use that for their periods um and i think there was also like some people use socks because they could also just like rewash the sock kind of thing um and then there was also people that would cut up like old white t-shirts from walmart and use that and so makeshift things because that is cheaper than buying a box of pads that only last a certain amount because once they're done they're done and i think that also has to say a lot about you really don't realize what people are going through until you get involved and volunteer or get into that space where you are educated um, and that's why a huge part of what period project does is not only just service but education and advocacy as well right so what would you say the period project stance on menstrual equity would be very very pro menstrual equity um and equity is like an interesting term because it is like it, it can be very financially linked like oh have making sure everyone has access to menstrual products but for us it's also like menstrual education um and that's kind of why i came to period project because growing up like when i got my period i didn't know anything about it like i genuinely thought i was dying um and i had called my mom my mom who was working a full-time job and like on the phone telling her like because my dad didn't know how to talk to me about it it was just like a taboo thing in my culture so like my dad didn't know how to approach it so i called my mom thinking i was dying being like i don't know what this is what's going on and she came back from work and she just handed me a book and then i had to use the internet to teach me essentially and that like lack of access to menstrual education um leads to a lot of like health issues that we don't really realize like I didn't really have an idea of what TSS was, like toxic shock syndrome. Um, And then like when I had to learn it online rather than learn it from like the space that I'm supposed to be taught, um, it was like, you know, some stuff on the internet is true and some stuff on the internet is false. And you're going to kind of cherry pick and you're going to have a very warped perception of what might be true and what might be false. But if you have someone who has been studying this for a long time or someone who's just been living through it and experienced it for a long time, share with you like what is the truth, have done the research, and we provide that education resource to young people who do menstruate, I think it can help people make a lot of more educated decisions about their reproductive health um, and just in general be safer. And also like knowledge is power and knowing how your body works can really empower you and help you 
find empowerment in your body and I think it does help with self-confidence and self-esteem like knowing how this works because when you're confused you're just gonna have so much doubt and that that does impact people who are like menstruating so and then also to add like menstrual equity is like understanding like how you know the menstrual cycle works and like but also understanding you know like what is you know like a normal period but also then what is also like a health risk for you you know like you shouldn't be in constant aggravating pain every time you have a period and so like understanding that and then being able to go to the doctor discuss with a doctor like what's happening to you and then like getting access to proper medical treatment to like help you because like I've had like really bad periods where like I can't get out of bed or for a day or two because like I'm just in constant pain and this was like an issue through like most of high school for me as well as like also the first two years of college and then I finally went and saw a gynecologist and now I'm on birth control so I don't get periods anymore and it's like the greatest thing ever because I'm not like withering in pain and like it would be so bad I couldn't even keep down medicine so I would immediately throw it up and I couldn't get out of like I just couldn't do anything and so like in high school I would miss classes because like I I'm not in a condition to go to class and you know I was fortunate like my friends could share notes with me I could very easily talk to my teachers because I went to a good high school and like I had the resources to like catch up on anything I missed but for people who don't have access to a good like school system you know if they miss a few days of class that can be detrimental to their education and that can impact like whether or not they get good grades, which means they, if they get to go to a good college, if they can go to a good college. So it can have like negative repercussions in the long run as well for someone's life if they're not able to get proper access to medical care. So like menstrual equity is also understanding like what's happening to your body and then being able to get um, proper medical care to look after yourself. Um, health advocacy, because I, uh, I have worked a little bit in like the healthcare field. And a lot of times there are biases that physicians or healthcare providers might ha- have. And, you know, reproductive healthcare is like one of those things that have taboos around it. So because of that, sometimes people will not get adequate care that they need. Um, and so if you're empowered and you know what is supposed to happen and what is not supposed to ha- happen, you could go into the office, like the physician's office, and be like, hey, I know this is a problem. I need you to look at it. And I need you to look at it seriously. And I'm not saying all physicians are like this. Um, but sometimes like n- having that knowledge will help you navigate those conversations a bit better um, and a lot of healthcare is just there is a power dynamic with the physician and the patient where the physician knows a lot more and the patient is just completely clueless like you don't know what's going on with your body that's not why you, you didn't study medicine and so when you have that knowledge and you're like okay well I know how periods are supposed to be I know this is irregular so I know I need a treatment you won't just be like okay with someone saying oh just take an ibuprofen and it'll be okay you'll be like no this is severe pain and I need something more so you'll either push for your physician to do something else or you'll find a new physician um, and I think that's like one of the things that as we educate the public about their bodies we will improve healthcare as a result because we will be pushing people to do better to do their jobs better in a sense and that's one big thing and then also related to menstrual equity we talked about this a little bit before but having access to bathrooms that's a huge part of it that people tend to not think of they just really think menstrual products is and that's where we stop at no we're also working towards to ha- making sure that these community centers have like proper bathrooms we're hoping that like we can expand that in the bathrooms that uga has we provide menstrual products um so it really is it doesn't stop at the project uh product sorry it's health education it's uh health advocacy it's um 
having those places having those physical locations people can use it's safety making sure people feel safe when they are on their period and outside of that as well yeah i would say like that follows along with um just education like when you're young in the school systems and you know like in healthcare like not believing women mm-hmm. like feel like that's a big point too yeah there's a really common trend of either not believing women or not believing people of color but specifically also women of color there is a huge huge disparity in the treatment that women of color will receive or like afab people of color will receive when going to the doctor and i have personally in my own life have faced this um and is kind of partly why i'm so adamant about making changes in that system and i don't believe it's intentional i think a lot of times it comes with ignorance um the idea that a certain group of people might feel pain differently which was a study done not too long ago where a lot of medical students thought that like black women and brown women felt pain differently than white women um and you know that those kinds of things do trickle into how people are treated in the healthcare system whether it may not believe it might not be believed anymore but you know if we've learned anything things that were systematic in practice are very hard to dismantle Um, And so, like, going to that, like, if we let these people be educated about their bodies, I think that'll help them make sure that they aren't treated unfairly and empower them to speak up when they know something is wrong and when they know something is not right and they deserve the proper treatment, just like everyone else should. We'll start wrapping up here, but I saw also that you have an initiative started by your organization, Project Red. What can you tell me about that? Uh, Okay, so Project Red is kind of like our sister initiative. It came out of Period Project because we saw while we were serving the Athens community, we also knew that there was a need at UGA. Staff, uh, whether that be professor, like faculty or like custodians and also students, everyone can be potentially afflicted by menstrual equity or inequity. Um, not having the access to menstrual products, and also sometimes for a lot of people not having access to a clean bathroom. And UGA provides the clean bathrooms, but they just don't provide the menstrual products. They have the toilet paper, they have the soap, they have all of that, but the menstrual products is not something that they so, uh, provide. And so we saw a need for that. And, and I believe in 2020 or 2021 sometime it was during the covid so all the years have blurred but um <laughs> it during then we sent out a survey where we surveyed over a thousand people if not more about whether or not they felt like they couldn't go to school because they didn't have access to menstrual products and we had so many people say yes um a lot of people say that you know, having menstrual products on campus would improve their lives drastically. And we do, we did traditionally have menstrual dispenser systems, but it was like the one where it's like put in the 25 cents and then you'll get right. a product. And nine times out of 10, they were always empty. Like people would just forget to refill Oh no, they them. were always empty. They are. <laughs> yeah, they're usually always empty. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of reasons that could be, but I think it is also just like, we as a society and maybe UGA sometimes kind of tends to not really look at menstrual menstruation as like something that like oh a lot of my students go through this so I need to provide a service for this usually with other things UGA is pretty good like oh like my students need something so maybe I should like do something for them Uh, but when it comes to this issue at least in my personal experience it doesn't seem like it's happening um 
So we kind of stepped up and we started doing an all like dispenser system in all gender bathrooms across campus. So unisex bathrooms, family bathrooms, essentially all gender bathrooms because we wanted to be as inclusive as possible. Um, we know a lot of times for trans men or, you know, that don't feel comfortable going into a women's bathroom to get menstrual products, it might be easier for them to just go into the unisex bathroom and get the menstrual products and still have what they need. Um, and so that's kind of one of the reasons why we stuck by that. And we have been motioning and hoping for UJ to adapt us into their official budget. Um, it has been a long and arduous journey into getting that to happen. Um, and I, I'm hopeful because we have been talking to individual departments um, and Rachel can speak about like the engineering department, but we have been met with a lot of receptiveness from a lot of departments because they care about their students. And I think that was very like nice to know that like, especially with the engineering department, they care so much about their students. They were like, we're going to buy more than one dispenser from you. We're going to keep them refilling. Like you don't have to worry about funding. We'll do this. Cause right now as project, read we're fully funded by through grants and things that we've accumulated ourselves uga does not really fund us um at all for the most part we work really closely with fmd who has been helping us tremendously and pitching in whenever they can but uga as a whole does not fund us we are really grant focused um but driftmeyer and a couple of other departments have came in and they're like hey we know our students need this so we'll buy the products we'll buy the dispenser you just show us how to do it and that has been really incredible and seeing and we're hoping to expand to other departments reaching out to more and more till eventually uj is going to be like well so many people already do this might as well adopt it into the financial budget at least that's what we're hoping for um and so that's kind of what project red has been and how it's expanded and how we're hoping it'll grow and grow until we can make a, a permanent effort on campus outside of just once we graduate. So I'm like, I'm pretty new with like Project Red stuff. So I've just mainly been doing a lot of period project stuff. So I just kind of joined like really at the beginning of the semester. So I'm still getting a lot of my footing. I'm an engineering major. I'm an environmental engineering major. Um, and so I'm in the group me for the Society of Women Engineers. And there was like a lot of, there will be a lot of text sometimes where people are like, oh, does anyone have a pad or a tampon and is that Driftmeyer? And then some people would be like, you know, we should really have these. And so this kind of was like, I remember mentioning it last year, texting Ariba when she was advocacy chair and being like, hey, there's a lot of discussion in the group me that people want dispensers in Driftmeyer. And Driftmeyer had recently been renovated and we now have three gender neutral bathrooms. So like there's one, there's like based on the plan is always just trying to put at least one um, dispenser in a building so there was like there's there will be a bathroom to put a dispenser in so and they were still trying to figure some things out um and then last semester uh, Reba was like yeah we're gonna try to put one in Driftmeyer do you think they would be able to help and I was like um I know one of the professors I could see if maybe he could like help us and so I emailed him and I kind of just gave him the little blurb of like what Project Red is with like one putting one dispenser and very like quickly he reached back out to us and was like we would like to put it in all three bathrooms because we don't want our students to just like have one dispenser because sometimes it would be a line if you're waiting for this right so they were like yeah we don't want to limit anybody and then they had a lot more discussions with it and it boiled down to the college of engineering and driftmeyer wanting to purchase all three dispensers and then also products for all three dispensers to provide it to students which is like super cool and so they've had the dispensers waiting to like 
put them up, but it's like, it's really exciting to see that they're like in the College of Engineering now. And so hopefully, you know, no one else is going to be texting in Driftmire needing like, does anyone have a pad or a tampon that I could use? So that's really exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. So final question, I will wrap up for you guys. What are the main things that you are trying to educate the general public about, like through um, the period project? And how are you working towards educating them about it? I think just first, like normalizing periods is like a main focus of it. Like Ariba touched a lot about how sometimes people, cisgender males, don't think that they can like come to our meetings because they're like, what could I add to it? And it's like, most likely you're going to know someone who menstruates, you know, you're going to have a family member or a friend who has a period and, you know, they will have symptoms with regards to that people have with periods. And so like just understanding how periods work, understanding like cramps and anything else that you can, like any other symptoms you can have while you're on your period, understanding that like, and being aware of like what someone can go through that could better help them. But then also like, again when you're voting for your legislator understanding like oh wait I know that this won't be good because like people need like pads or tampons and like making a bill saying like oh no we're not going to do that isn't going to help people so then like it can help people learn so just like normalizing periods on a grand scale um, around anybody to anybody just helping them that can then like later help them vote for people and then also help their friends and just like small little changes to make big changes. I think another thing about like period education is like Rachel has said it's not just people who menstruate. Um I think caring about issues that don't impact you can make you a better person. Um can make you a better boyfriend if you have a a girlfriend that menstruates. Um can make you a better brother, make can make you a better like just a friend in general and just a better community member. And I think College is a really interesting experience because we're all away from home for a temporary and we make Athens our community. And sometimes we think only UGA is Athens and only UGA students are Athens, but there is staff. There's people who've been living here for their entire lives. Um, There's like community outside of just UGA, like local businesses and our community partners who we've worked with. Um, And as much as we love UGA and how much it's shown us a great appreciation, given us like a really amazing college experience, giving back to the community that enabled that is really important to me. And I find that that it's really important to everyone else at Period Project. And we've been really blessed to be um, with people that care about the community, whether it it's outside of just menstrual advocacy or menstrual equity, like people in our general body and exec are volunteering at other different organizations they are participating in food drives they are working with project safe a lot of them are social work students so you will find a good group of people at period project and from there you can kind of see like if menstrual equity is not your niche and like you are passionate but not super super passionate it can show you avenues to other things that you might be more passionate about or you might see yourself working in. Um, I think sometimes starting somewhere that you're not experienced with and putting like dipping your toes into something that you never thought you would be in could lead you to even better things. And so that's why I highly encourage someone to at least try. Like, don't feel intimidated that we're talking about menstruation. Don't feel intimidated that we're talking about periods. And don't feel 
intimidated by us like we definitely don't bite um we're very (laughs) very sweet but like come to the meetings learn about what we do and I think once you pack that kit and you see the name of where it's going to you will feel like you feel great giving back to a community that has given back to you I don't think there's a feeling that could ever replace it and I highly recommend anyone that is a freshman or in college to get involved in service work because it genuinely makes you feel like it helps you grow and it makes you feel a part of something bigger and I think that's a a feeling that you cannot replicate so so that is all that we have today thank you guys so much for coming in today I appreciated all of your answers and all of the information (laughs) all right this has been the front page the front page is a production of the red and black publishing company make sure to download our app and keep up with us on social media don't forget to check out our other weekly podcast, Between the Headphones, a UGA Sports podcast. We hope to see you next week.